<laughs> my bad, my bad. Okay, so the next one is Raise the Draugr. Raise the Draugr does obsolete a card. It obsoletes Return from Extinction. So Raise the Draugr as I'm waiting for this to load. I don't know why my internet's slow tonight. Just going to wait. <laughs> just just going to fill some just, airspace. Yeah, just wait and start over. That's fine. No, no, I'm going to keep this going. It's like radio. Oh, you got it. No dead air. I guess I guess maybe this is our B-roll. <laughs> maybe this is our B-roll. Throw this at the front of the episode while we wait for your internet to catch up to little common from, uh, what was this from, Modern Horizons? Modern Horizons. Yeah. A Modern Horizons card getting obsoleted? What was Wizard smoking? Welcome to episode number 61 of the Memory Jar. As always, we are here to remember the cards, the decks, the people, and the stories that make magic the game we love. I'm David Presswood, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Christian Wright. Christian, how are you doing tonight? Look, it's not even halfway through February, and I'm already sick of all the snow. The snow? You? How much snow can you possibly have living in D.C.? I'm not talking about the weather. I'm talking about all the snow duels and snow cards and uh... call time. You know, like, it's just too much, too much snow. It's just triggering. Well, look, we just went through about 50 straight hours of negative temperatures here in Minnesota. As far as I'm concerned, everything is winter on the brain. That was a good pun, though. I feel like we should have had some kind of vaudevillian pratfall sound effect when you you laid that one out. So on that note, uh, (laughs) we are doing a show this week about call time. This is our Kaldheim Facts Show. So we'll go over the makeup of the set, talk about the cards that are obsolete, any cool signature reprints, and then the other random things that we always do, uh, this time about the Nordic-themed set. Yeah, we'll talk about what we like, what we don't like, and what really strikes us about Kaldheim. There might be some metal talk, as in, like, the music. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. But first, like we always do, let's crack open the memory jar. Okay, this week we have an oldie, not necessarily a goodie. This is Fanatical Fever. It's an uncommon from Ice Age. Two green green for an instant. Target creature gets plus three plus zero and gains trample until end of turn. So this is a combat trick that's extremely overcosted, And this will be a red card these days. So if you think about Brute Strength, uh, originally from Oath of the Gatewatch, and it was reprinted in a couple of sets, this is the one I always think of. It's uh, one and a red for an instant. Target creature gets plus three plus one and trample. On that note as well, they have a reprint in Kaldheim to tie this in, where it, this is strictly better um, Fanatical Fever. It's just target attacking creatures plus three, plus three, and gains trample into turn, right? We've gone from it's now in red, as you said, to now it's just in red, but giant growth and better. I guess the benefit of Fanatical Fever over Run Amok is that you could use it on defense, although given that it gives trample, it's not something you really want to do. So the difference between green spells like this and red spells is that green spells pump toughness as much as power. If you go all the way back to Giant Growth, the only other exception that's a green instant was Wild Hunger from Dark Ascension, and that wasn't even totally green because it had a red flashback cost. Yeah, yeah, it was clearly designed as like the green-red draft arc type common. Also, it's interesting because this was the first snow theme set, so it's, Mm -hmm. you know, Scryfall's given us a solid on this one to pull this up as a random card. The artist, Julie Barrow, she did a lot of iconic magic art from the early days of magic. Like, what are some of the highlights that catch your eye? Clone, first of all. So she did a couple of cards in Alpha. Clone is the one I always think of. A really iconic piece of art for me is Fire Sprites from Legends. That was one and a green for a 1-1 flyer, and you could pay green and tap it to add a red mana to your mana pool. It's not a good card. No. But 
the image was just some fire sprites. I just remember it vividly. What about you? What sticks out? Uh, she did Gwendolyn de Corsi, which is controversial, but you know, it's a legend. It's really cool. She did two of the kobolds. Kobolds are very distinctive in legends, but that I think her style kind of helped that, especially since in one of the printings of kobolds of Kirkheap, there's a kobold with a nighty and a bow, which is mm-hmm. you know okay, cool, cool. And the last one was she did the original Underworld Dreams, which I actually prefer to most any other printing of Underworld Dreams. Like the art on it is just so much better than the other printings they've had of it. Yeah, there's actually a really cool promo version of Underworld Dreams that's a DCI foil, and it has that original art. It was from, it's called a Two-Headed Giant tournament promo, and it was from the series of promos that they released when Two-Headed Giant became a sanctioned format mm-hmm. back in 2005, yeah. as we talked about on our 2005 show. Yeah, which, by the way, listeners, if you couldn't tell, it was clearly a joke. We, we did not transport back in time. We pretended it was 2005 to distract from 2020. Yeah. I can't believe so, you're letting people behind the curtain. But I'm so I guess sorry. The, I just no confusion. Didn't want any confusion on this part. We didn't start recording this show 15 years ago, and there's a lost archive. <laughs> so. uh, she also did Mind Twist. That's an iconic magic card for sure. Oh yeah, the most recent card that she had printed relative to today is a card in Tempest called Fool's Tome, which I'm guessing was on the slush pile because it's not very distinct to Wrath or mm-hmm. the kind of the story one of those things where she probably got on that royalty train and when they said we're not doing that anymore she went oh i'm good yeah did something else with her life well i'll have to look her up and figure it out but anyway so fanatical fever combat trick that like a lot of old cards was both overcosted and out of the color pie and so, bad don't forget and bad. bad and bad so. all right so moving on from bad on comments from ice age to called Kaldheim is Magic's 107th set. Listeners, we actually counted this. This does not count supplemental sets, nor things like Modern Horizons. Just core sets and expansion sets. This is Magic's 107th. And it's the first inspired by Vikings and Nordic culture. Like, everyone was asking for the Vikings plane, and here we go. We got it. Yeah, people were asking for a visit to Kaldheim for a long time since the Plane Chase set came out. And Skybreen was one of the plane chase cards that said it was on the plane of Kaldheim. And that's really all that people knew about it. There were a bunch of figures on top of a snowy mountain. And so everybody thought, oh, it could be Nordic themed. And then I believe it also made kind of an appearance in one of the Duels of the Planeswalkers games. I I never played those very much. So I I believe you. I didn't own an Xbox. That's fair. So like you said, it's Vikings and Nordic culture. So there are axes and berserkers and trolls and longboats and... A bunch of different gods, not just indestructible mythic rares. A lot to pick through and talk about. But before we get into the lore, there are a couple of changes to the rules for this set that I just thought were worth mentioning. The first one is the foretell mechanic that allows you to exile a card face down for two generic mana and then play it later for its foretell cost is a new special action. Comprehensive Rules 116.2 deals with special actions. Yeah, and special actions are actions that you can't respond to. So this includes things like playing a land. Player plays a land, there's nothing you can do. Same thing with turning a creature face up. Another one would be rolling the planar die in a plane chase game. There's some very card-specific ones, like Circling Vultures, which is an old card from Mirage. Due to how it's worded, it has a special action that's been eroded, so you can just take it anytime you have priority. But in general, like if a person foretells something, then you can't stifle it. They just foretell it, and you're going to see your doom in a future yeah. turn. The other thing that was added is language about excess damage, something that now has a meaning. There's a couple of cards in the set, Torolf, God of Fury, and Agar, the Freezing Flame. So these are two cards that have triggered abilities that kind of look backwards and see if 
quote-unquote excess damage was dealt. Basically, the determination is, did something take more damage than was required to kill it? If it did, that's excess damage. So they had to add language about that. I think that's a really cool concept. It kind of goes along with some of the cards we saw recently that dealt with spell trample, where you're determining how much damage it takes to kill a creature, and then the rest of it kind of tramples over onto the player. So another cool way to get at that. The funny thing about the similarity is that cards with trample actually don't do excess damage because they deal damage to the creature and then the rest of it tramples over, so it's not excess, it's all spoken for. Just kind of a cool new mechanic, design space they've never explored. I'm always fascinated when they figure these things out. Yeah, and I can't wait for cards that use this more. Imagine, say, you have a, a bolt or something where it's like you deal three to a creature, then any excess damage is dealt to every other creature. Something like that. If you deal excess damage to a planeswalker, the rest of it goes to the player's face or something. There's some ways they can go with it. That's fascinating. Yeah, I'm in for it. Let's talk a little bit about the story of this set. And Christian, this is usually your territory. What can you tell us about what is actually happening on Call Time? So first off, Wizards of the Coast is now redoing their magic stories. It wasn't a thing for a few years, but they're now returning in full swing with Call Time. There's five stories about Call Time up on the website. It's worth reading. They're all very good. But we're just going to kind of give you the setup for it and let you dive in. All we'll say is this. Kaya is on Call Time. She's there for amorphous reasons. She has a bounty, but she doesn't know who paid it. We find out that Vorinclex is on Kaldheim, but for what reason, we don't know. But usually there's a Phyrexian. It's never good, just <laughs> from our combined historical experience. And Tybalt's on the plane, and he's he's hiding as a trickster god, and he has something up his sleeve that is not good. And we don't know what it is. Not a good sign if Tybalt's messing around. Last thing about Kaldheim, is cool, it's a cool setting. Each of the ten color pairs represented different realms. This is kind of a new... Shards of Alara type take where all the shards and shards of Alara were separate and then the big event that happened in the middle blocks they all came together and that is foretold ironically enough on a card Doomscar highlights that and the Doomscar is when all the different realms start merging together and cataclysmic stuff happens. A lot of the conflict in the set is bound to the fact that strange stuff is happening and crossing between different realms that aren't necessarily supposed to. Yeah it's interesting that it's like each realm is kind of like its own little plane, but when they crash into each other, there's these big historical battles and various things that happen. So they kind of have their own conception of a multiverse. They just think it's the ten realms in Kaldheim and not an understanding that there are these other planes outside. So long story short, that's where we're at. Before we get into everything else, we can talk just briefly about the mechanics. We already talked about Fortel. The other new mechanic in the set is called Boast. It's an ability triggered when a creature attacks. So if the creature with Boast on it has attacked this turn, then at any point in which the creature is alive for the rest of the turn, you can pay the Boast cost, and then something happens. There's a cool rare called Varagoth Blood Sky Sire that's 2 and a black for a 2-3 legendary demon rogue with death touch, and has a Boast cost of 1 and a black. So when it attacks, as long as it's still on the battlefield that turn, you can pay 1 and a black to have target players search their library for a card, shuffle their library, and then put that card on top. So pretty sweet. You can only do it once a turn, but... Another kind of interesting combat me mechanic, you really want to get the creatures into combat in order to get the effects. And some of the effects are really good. I mean, that's a spell right there. Yeah. So if you take out one of their creatures and then you Vampiric Tutor something, put it on top of your library, that's usually worth it. The other mechanics that are coming back, we've got more modal double-faced cards. With interesting twists this time, too. There actually is a choice this time. <laughs> yeah, the, the ones from Return to Zendikar all had lands on the back. In this set, there are the remaining four rare lands that are lands on the front and lands on the back. 
nearly all of the modal double-faced cards are a creature on the front and an artifact on the back. There is one with a creature on the front and a creature on the back. That's Allrend. There's one with a creature on the front and a planeswalker on the back. That's Valky slash Tibble. And then there's one, Asika, that's a creature on the front and a five-color enchantment on the back, something that we will uh, have to talk about at some point. We also get Sagas back in this set. Makes yeah. sense in a kind of storytelling format. Yeah. Started in a Dominaria, but we keep getting them, and that's great. And then, as you mentioned earlier, Snow. Snow's back. Snow's back, baby. Is it good? Probably. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess exciting to have it in a standard again. I don't know. It's been almost a decade since it's been a standard, so we'll see how that turns out. The last thing that is another, it's over a decade we haven't seen, is Changelings. Changelings mm-hmm. are back. Changelings were last seen in a standard legal set, which was Morning Tide. They were in various reprint sets, but the last time we saw them hit a standard tournament was in the summer of 2008. Yeah, and I love Changeling being in this set after a set in which we had Party as a mechanic that really cares about creature types. We'll talk a little about about creature types later, but so many of the cards in this format care about creature types as well. It's just a really cool thing to have, and it's played out really well in the limited environment. So signature reprints in this set, not a lot of reprints. No. Certainly uh, the opposite of a core set. There are only eight reprints, and they're all commons. They're all boring, which is good. They all kind of have very niche purposes for limited, and some of them are just good cyborg plants that you want to have in standard. What's the most notable reprint for you? Disdainful Strike, easily. One in a blue for an instant, counter targets both, converted mana costs four or greater. Solid card, like having it in standard. Yeah, it's usually played in any blue sideboard, right? I'm going to take another blue card here. I'm going to take a Null. We haven't seen a Null Mm -hmm. since Theros, original Theros block. Uh, A Null is blue for an instant. Counter-target artifact or enchantment spell. Kind of versatile. It's it's blue's way of dealing with artifacts and enchantments. Yeah, it's interesting to have that in this set. I mean, I guess Theros Beyond Death is in standard with this and had a lot of enchantments, but we haven't really had an artifact-heavy set, which makes me wonder if when we go to Strixhaven, we'll, we'll see a lot of artifacts. This also has a dual purpose in that it can counter Sagas, Yep, and it can true. counter the back half of a lot of the gods. All right. Well, now the most difficult part of the show to prepare every time. Forced obsolescence. Christian's just sighing. I can see you're just rubbing your head. Don't worry. I took the lead on most of the work this time. Thank you. So, so, thank you so much. Ugh. Forced obsolescence is not just about what cards are strictly better. It's about which new cards make older cards totally obsolete. So a new card that completely replaces the old card, it has to be the same color, the same cost or cheaper, and have the same or a better effect. An example of this is Wild Slash made Shock obsolete. So Wild Slash is red for an instant, and it deals two damage to any target, but it has Ferocious. If there's a creature with power 4 or greater in the battlefield, damage can't prevent to this turn. That is literally just a better Shock. You should run Wild Slash before you run your first Shock. Yep, whereas, for example, a card like Cathartic Reunion, which is one in a red, discard two cards to draw three cards, doesn't obsolete Tormenting Voice, same mana cost, discard a card to draw two cards, because they require different resources, and that can come up a lot in different situations. So I think you, you'll understand what we're talking about as we get into it. I'll do the first one here. Battlefield Raptor is a white mana for a 1-2 bird with flying and first strike, and that obsoletes Rustwing Falcon from Corset 2019, which was the same thing except without first strike. Another one is Bound in Gold, obsoletes Revoke Privileges. So Bound in Gold is two and a white for a, an aura, it enchants a permanent, 
Enchanted permanent can't attack, block, or crew vehicles, and its activated abilities can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. Uh, revoke privileges is the same, except it doesn't have, they can't activate their abilities unless they're mana abilities. So the fact that it has one whole extra line that it affects makes it just better than revoke privileges. And one of the things that people don't often realize with Bounded Gold is it also enchants a permanent, not oh, just yes. a creature. And so, you know, fire this off on a planeswalker if you need to. Yeah, I completely missed that. So it's yeah. better in multiple levels. Here's a wild one. Dragonkin Berserker, one in red for a 2-2 human Berserker with first strike. It says, boast abilities you activate cost one less to activate for each dragon you control. And the boast ability is four in a red, create a 5-5 red dragon creature token with flying. The reason this is wild is the card that it obsoletes is a rare from Invasion called Ruby Leech, which is one in a red for a 2-2 first strike. Red spells you play cost red more to cast. So that card is awful, but it Terrible. turns out... It is the only other 2-2 first strike for one and a red or less in Magic history. <laughs> we did it. We finally can... The players who only who really needed the two-mana first striker for exactly one and a red can have a replacement that is better on so many levels. Yeah, it's, it's a just a, a big wall of text, but it's funny. We just talked about this leech cycle on Casual Magic with Shiva Bot, and yeah. I didn't think we'd be bringing it up here again. And I think, if I remember correctly, he said the red one was the closest one to being playable, right? It was that and, like, maybe the black one. Yeah, he's I... just going to love Dragonkin Berserker then. Another card, Giant Ox, obsoletes Fortified Rampart. So Giant Ox is a 1 and a white for a 06 Ox and cruise vehicles using its toughness rather than its power. This obsoletes Fortified Rampart. 1 and a white for an 06 Law that has Defender. So nothing special. We assume Defender's a drawback, which it is, and Giant Ox does more and it's better. Yeah, we should note here, we usually say this up front, but there may be some corner cases related to a creature type or something that is presumably a negative effect that can turn into a positive. Defender is a good example of that, or cards that lose life. We're assuming those are negative things. We're not all about that, so we're just going to say, you know what, Fortified Rampart's obsolete. By all means, put it in your Arcades the Strategist deck instead of Giant Ox, but... Come on. And honestly, for all the mental energy you're going to spend, I say this every single time, all the mental energy you can spend to prove us wrong, we spent a lot more. And trust us, it's not worth it. We have done the work. This time when I say we, say, I say we, I mean, Dave. Thank you, Dave. These are just better cards, and you should play them every single time if you had the chance. Yeah, or just tweet at us and get owned. Either way. All right, next one is Not Vold Recluse. Two and a green for a 4-2 reach. This obsoletes Anok Artillerist, a common from Dragons of Tarkir, two and a green for a 4-1 Hound Archer. And that has reach as long as it has a plus one, plus one counter on it. So why not just have your card that already gets reach? And if you put a plus one, plus one counter on the Recluse, then it's a 5-3 reach. It's so much better than a 5-2 reach. How great is that? This next one's a little sad. Igna Runeyes, three and a blue for a legendary creature human wizard. It's a 3-3. When it enters the battlefield, you scry three, and when it dies, draw three cards if three or more creatures died this turn, which actually just happened in an arena game we played before the, this recording. This obsoletes poor old Octoprophet. So Octoprophet, originally printed in Corsa 2020, three and a blue for a 3-3 octopus. When Octoprophet enters the battlefield, scry two. I'm all about an Octoprophet. Poor old Octoprophet. Way back from Corset 2020. <laughs> it's been a very, very long two years. <laughs> Just a little sad because it references um, those prophesizing octopuses in real life that would predict the World Cup matches, right? It's already gotten outclassed. 
I guess as octopuses turn into calamari, so do octoprophets turn into ignorunis, you know? You know, it's not legendary, so you can have as many octoprophets to play as you want. Technically true. <laughs> All right. Next one is Jaspera Sentinel. I think Jaspera. I'm going to go with Jaspera. It's green for a 1-2 elf rogue with reach, and it says tap an untapped creature you control, add one mana of any color. Been a lot of discussion about this card in Constructed and comparisons to Loam Dryad, which is exactly the same card except it's a Dryad Horror from Shadows Over Innistrad. It doesn't have reach. The Sentinel's just a better version. Look, you can block a 1-1 flying bird or spirit or thopter or whatever. Yay. I wonder how many keywords are going to staple on this before this becomes a no-thought constructed playable. I'm guessing it's going to have to have, like, cycling on it with reach. <laughs> well, after we record, we'll play with my party deck, and you'll see how this little one-mana rogue is secretly a powerhouse. The next card on our list is Raise the Draugr. So Raise the Draugr is one to black for an instant. Choose one, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Or you can choose to return two target creature cards that share a creature type from your graveyard to your hand. This obsolete's Return from Extinction, which is the exact same card from Modern Horizons. The only difference is Return from Extinction is a sorcery. That's right. The first time I played Raise the Draugr in Limited, I couldn't believe it was an instant. I just thought it was Return from Extinction. I'm like, we've seen this card before, but you just do it on your opponent's turn. It's incredible. It's actually, no joke, one of the better black cards, in my opinion. The fact that it's an instant makes it insane. With Changelings 2, you can return multiple different variations of creatures. Yep. Like it's, it's very powerful. Yeah. All right, the next one is Righteous Valkyrie. I'm just going to read this, even though it doesn't obsolete anything, because I want to talk about it. It's two and a white for a 2-4 angel cleric with flying. It says, whenever another angel or cleric enters the battlefield under your control, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. And then as long as you have at least seven life more than your starting life total, creatures you control get plus two, plus two. It's pretty cool. There's a lot of text. So the card is just incredibly unique. It's the only 2-4 flyer for converted mana cost three or less in the game that doesn't have a drawback. Some of them are defenders. Some of them can't attack or block unless certain characteristics are met. Some of them have additional casting requirements. The only exception is Feather, which costs red, white, white to cast. And that's difficult, even for a 3-4 flyer. What was shocking to me is that white has never had a 1-4 flyer for 3 mana. I could have sworn it did, and it just didn't. Doesn't it have a... It has an 0-4. It has Angel, Angelic Walls 1 and a white for an 0-4 flying wall, right? Like, yeah, with Defender, but I mean, that that's nothing. I just thought there was a card that was 2 and a white, 1-4 flying, and that was it. And there wasn't. White has needed some help, let's be real. But it just leapt way ahead of its time. This is like going 8 years in the future, plucking a card out of a set, and bringing it back and plopping it into 2021. I'm surprised, Bilas. I didn't know this. I'm also surprised that there isn't other two fours. As you said, there's two threes. They released a two three flyer for two and a white in the last set in Zendikar Rising in Archon of Emeria, right? It's this whole new type of creature. In football, there's a thing called a scoragami where you have a unique <laughs> score. This is a, I don't know what the term would be in magic, but this is one of those. This is a power and toughness bingo. It is, I think, fair to say a unicorn slash angel cleric. Yeah. Okay, the next card, this is also a little sad. This is a little nostalgia hit for me. So Rally the Ranks, one and a white for an enchantment. As it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. Creatures that you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. This obsoletes Shared Triumph, which is almost exactly the same card from Onslaught, except it's just, it just affects every creature of the chosen type. So this is a, a non-universal version of Shared Triumph, and Rally the Ranks is clearly just better, and I'm very sad. That's a good example of Strictly Better. I've got one that makes me a little sad. Rune of yeah. Might. 
Mm. One in a green for an aura. It enchants a permanent, and when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. If the enchanted permanent is a creature, it gets plus one, plus one, and trample. If the enchanted permanent is an equipment, it has equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and trample. This obsoletes our good friend from Theros Beyond Death, Satessin Training, which was one in a green to enchant a creature you control. And when it enters, you draw a card, and the creature gets plus one, plus zero, and has trample. So not only is this an additional toughness, but you can also put this on an equipment, or really any other permanent. And Satessin Training could not do any of those things. Pouring out for a good one. Satessin Training, may it rest in peace. Next card is another green card we both really like. Searle's Packmate, three and a green for a 3-3 wolf. When it enters the battlefield, draw the card. It has foretell one and a green. It obsoletes Jiraga Visionary, which is just the same card, except it's a 3-2, and uh, there's no foretell. We just got a new card in Zendikar Rising, and then the next set just punches it directly in the face with an additional toughness and a foretell cost. Yeah, and the foretell is a huge deal. I'll run every single Seralf's Packmate I pick up. Every I will not run every Jiraga Visionary I pick up. No, I saw someone on Twitter post a deck today, and they said... How many Soros Pact mates is too many? And they had six in the deck, and the deck just looked incredible. I don't know that there's an upper limit. Wouldn't you just play all of them and just play, you know, three threes and draw all your three threes? I think I would do that. Yeah. All right. Next is Vengeful Reaper. This is three and a black for two, three Angel Cleric with flying death touch and haste, and it has a foretell cost of one and a black. This obsoletes an old one from Urza's Saga, Crazed Scourge, three and a black for a two, two imp with flying and haste. So, Crazed Scourge doesn't sound like a great card. The reality is, you just don't see a lot of haste in black. And so there haven't been a lot of opportunities to obsolete it. Also, Vengeful Reaper is the only mono-black card that has Death Touch and Haste. Huh. Yeah. So, sorry, Crazed Scourge. Your time's come. This next one, last one, is going to be a bit of a journey. So just bear with me. The card Wings of the Cosmos. One white for an instant. Target creature gets plus one, plus three, and gains flying until end of turn. Untap it. Basically, it obsoletes a bunch of cards that untapped a creature you controlled and gave it some sort of power and or toughness. So the first card it obsoleted was Alurum, which is one in a white for a instant. Untapped target non-attacking creature. That creature gets plus one plus three until in a turn. Wings of the Cosmos can affect any creature. It doesn't have to be attacking. And also Wings of the Cosmos gets a flying. So it obsoletes Veteran's Reflexes from Rise of Eldrazi. Target creature gets plus one plus one until in a turn. Untap that creature for one white. Wings of the Cosmos does it bigger, and it gives a flying. There's a theme here. So Defiant Stand is one to white for an instant. You can cast the spell only during the Declare Attacker step, and only if you've been attacked this step. Very odd. That's how you get around some portal timing stuff. We'll move on. Tart Creature gets plus one, plus three until end of turn. Untap that creature. Doesn't give a flying. Not as good as Wings of the Cosmos. Also costs two. Yeah, and you can't do it on offense. Wings yes. of the Cosmos is just a super flexible little one-mana combat trick that... I have not had a lot of opportunities to play because I haven't played a lot of white in the format, but just seeing it, it does really three different things for a single mana at instant speed, so not too surprising. I still wouldn't play this. (laughs) Oh, I think it's legitimately good. Oh, I've never wanted to play this. I think it does a lot of things. I mean, it's it's a combat trick. Yeah. It's not incredible, but I mean, you you just like cast this on your Lindworm and you get in for seven, like it's going to happen. You, block you can do that. Turn. There's a lot of cards that do that with Lindworm. That's not saying much. Uh, not that let it also block the next turn. Fair enough. The last one are the Snow Duels. Five of the Snow Duel lands in Kaldheim obsolete the original five Cold Snap Snow Duels, which were very similar. They came into play tapped. They each tapped for two colors of mana, but they didn't have basic land types. 
Absolutely. And if they ever finish that cycle and do the other five, they'll enter the battlefield already obsolete. <laughs> yes, yes. Which I don't think they're going to do, thank God. But yeah, we, and also the, the new Snow Duels have very generic names, so we'll mm-hmm. probably see them again in another Modern Horizon set in the future or something. I probably need to pick these up so I can maybe play them if I have to in Modern, so long as Field of Dead is a magic card. <laughs> I think one of the things that was interesting putting together the Forced Obsolescence in this set, it's a shorter list than usual. I think part of that is they really went way wild with design space. A lot of the creatures have unique abilities, but they don't seem like riffs on previously existing creatures. They're not just a slightly more powerful version. So it's kind of cool to see how that turned out. It also helps that a lot of the cool rares are modal dual face cards, and they're all very unique, as you said. But they're unique just because they're also modal dual face card. I don't think they're going to obsolete anything nor will they be obsoleted so that certainly helped with your work so thank you on this i will note i did not examine the backs of the modal dual face cards i'm just realizing now to determine if they obsoleted anything so listeners if you can think of any feel free to to shoot them our way i will add them to the list it's like you can join in our process for doing this segment where we always go does that really obsolete it and we go i don't know maybe yeah maybe Mm." and then we think about it and then we say oh yes or no so yeah do all the work for no reward (laughs) <laughs> all right so next we want to talk a little you. bit about creature types what did you, you say i owe you <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair all right so next we want to talk about creature types there are two new creature types the first one is only on vorinclex monstrous raider and it's phyrexian yeah it's a phyrexian praetor are we now expecting errata on old cards at some point i assume that we are yes 100 percent. we're gonna get like phyrexian hulk is now going to become a Phyrexian giant or whatever the its original type is. Um, Phyrexian Rager is going to be a Phyrexian Horror. This will matter? Question mark. Probably. This is a I foreshadowing. Think, you know. I think it will. I find it interesting that they didn't do it with this set, and I think what that means is as we advance and we maybe see more Praetors or this kind of Phyrexian story develops, there's going to be some big creature type update that is tied into the story. Just, yes. you know, we'll get some set where the Phyrexians are invading a plane, and that's when we'll we'll get a big update. Oh, I was going to say, I think that, that invasion is going to be back on Ravnica. Our fourth return to Ravnica is going to be the Phyrexian invasion. Because it has to be. At this point, Ravnica is just the clearinghouse of trash and culminating epic storylines. So and It's already ruined, so why not just throw yeah. a bunch of Phyrexians at it? Sure. Make Jace a Phyrexian? I'd be down. The other interesting thing about this card, as an aside, this is the only card in the set with two creature types that don't overlap with any other cards. That's clearly intentional, but also it shows how out of place Foreign Clex is. The next one, this is a huge surprise. This I actually thought they had it printed beforehand, and I was clearly wrong. We finally have the first creature that is a coward on its own, and it's Craven Hulk. Three and a red for a 4-4 four, four giant coward. It is. It's a giant coward. It can't block alone. But my god, we finally got there. Can't block the giant that had that text on Boldware Intimidator. And yeah, now it's just proven Coward is now officially a recognized creature type. Yeah, so your changelings have always been cowards, but now maybe it matters. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah, just also real quick, as, as, as you said, Dave, there's no old creature rata. They did not do a big creature type update with this set, so... Nothing to go back and, you know, marvel at what's now a Phyrexian and what's not. I'm guessing it'll happen before the next Innistrad set, personally. I would tell you a lot about the notable type combinations, but there is a veritable orgy of combinations of creature types in this set. 
I will just note as I looked through the set, the most common creature type is Berserker. There are 26 Berserkers. And then Warrior, there are 24 Warriors in the set. So the most common combo is, unsurprisingly, something we've seen before, Human Warrior. There are six Human Warriors in the set. Five Elf Warriors, five Giant Wizards, and four Dwarf Warriors. For the record, I'm a big fan with Giant as a prominent creature type because it just makes everything more pronounced right we had a giant coward and now you have a giant wizard it's just a big wizard it's like raw i've been playing a little bit of everquest lately it's good to have these literal creature types other interesting facts unique things in colors so tybalt's trickery this Rare. one you may have seen if you've been playing arena and people are countering their zero mana spells to genesis ultimatum you on turn two tybalt's trickery is a rare red counter spell so, again, we were just on Casual Magic with Shiva Bot, and we talked about red counterspells and talked about the few that existed throughout Magic. And then between that recording and the release of that podcast, they spoiled Tybalt's trickery. How dare they make what we said invalid? Immediately, too. Those monsters. It's like they, they foretold the future and said, wow. we're just going to make this whole stretch of three months just obsolete. We're going to obsolete them. That's, that's what we do. It's just impossible to not make four telephones when talking about this set. It's really unfortunate. Moving on to unique tokens. So there's actually a lot of first-time tokens we have in this set. For example, the first blue 1-1 bird flying token. Mm -hmm. There have been other birds and other colors that are 1-1s, but this is the first time it's in blue. We see a lot of other featured creature types in the set. So we don't have a zombie token. We have a zombie berserker. We have a dwarf berserker. We have a giant wizard. We have a demon berserker. We have our first ever troll token. The Troll Warrior token that a few different cards make 4-4 uh, four, four trolls. One of the ones I'm most excited about are the Shard tokens that, that Planeswalker Nico Eris makes. They're basically the same as a clue from Shadows Over Innistrad. That was an artifact that was two and tap and sacrifice it to draw a card. These are an enchantment, but they're two and tap and sacrifice it to scry one and draw a card? That's just value. Value. It's, it's amazing. I am a big fan of the two tokens that produce mana. So we have Replicating yes. Ring and Icy Manolith. First off, Replicating Ring is really cool. The only way you can get a Replicating Ring token is there has to be eight night counters in Replicating Ring, and after that they're removed, and you have eight copies of Replicating Ring. You're, it's close. You get eight tokens that are Replicated Ring. Oh, Replicated Ring. My apologies. Yeah, those don't replicate. They didn't want the tokens, I think, also to then start getting counters and make more Replicating Rings. So it's just slightly different. It's, we're already Berenstain Bears replicating ring. It hasn't been out for <laughs> less than a month. The second one I'm ex- I'm actually also super excited about. This is the Arnold Schwarzenegger of Manoliths because it's an icy Manolith. It's like freeze. It's, it's a, a Manolith, but icy. Freeze puns from that terrible Batman movie? Yes. I love icy Manoliths. So this is made by Svela Ice Shaper. Great uncommon in the set. I'm so excited with this because I love it when they name cards the most obvious thing possible. And it just feels so lazy, but also so perfect. It, the card is a manolith, but it's a snow manolith. And I can just picture the meeting like, eh, we got some kind of like icy manolith. What should we call it? Oh, how about icy manolith? It's like one of my favorite cards from Commander Legends, Ghost of Ramirez de Pietro. Uh, yeah, hey, remember that legend from Legends, Ramirez de Pietro? We should have his ghost in the set. What should we call the Ghost of Ramirez de Pietro? <laughs> so good. So the last unique token is Coma's Coil, which is produced from Coma Cosmo Serpent, which is three green, green, blue, blue for a legendary serpent. It can't be countered. At the beginning of each upkeep, you make a three, three blue serpent creature token named Coma's Coil. 
Awesome. Better burden force. We're going to keep going though. Sacrifice another serpent. Choose one. Tap target permanent. Its activated abilities can't be activated this turn. Or Coma Cosmos, 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 Cosmos. You know what? This is a tongue twister in the making. It gains indestructible until the end of turn. It's a 6 6. This card is nuts. Very good. It's the pick your giant splashy unbeatable mythic of the set. I think personally it's very rude of Coma to just drop coils everywhere and not clean up after himself. Oh yeah. Just coiling them up every upkeep. Just leaving them, leaving them lying around. I do think it's fascinating that you could just sacrifice a bunch of these to tap your opponent's lands. It's basically a Rashadden port. Rude. Rude. The crazy thing about that tap ability is there's historically only 40 serpents in magic. And not all of them are blue or green. Just a kick in the face. Can't even do Serpent <laughs> Tribal. I hate this card so much. Oh, you can definitely do Serpent Tribal. First of all, serpents are one of the four types along with Kraken, Octopi, and Leviathan on Whelming Wave. So you can make a sea creature deck that's basically Serpent Tribal. The only problem is if you're playing Coma in a commander deck, you're probably not able to get some of the more powerful serpents like Lachmere Serpent or, say, Yorian Sky Nomad, also a serpent. But, you know, might have to stick with green-blue. I don't know. This card's obnoxious and I don't ever want to play it against it in Limited. It's not fun. Let me tell you. A couple other fun things about the set. We have a new super type. It's Rune. We've got yeah. the uncommon Rune cycle. And cards that care about runes. These enchantments that enter the battlefield attached to a permanent and draw a card. I'm excited. Maybe there's going to be more runes one day. There probably will. And they're probably going to be broken. Because that's what happens every single time, y'all. Yeah, it's unfortunate that if you go back in time, there are cards that actually start with the word rune. And they're not runes. Yeah, rune so of protection. A, yeah, the Rune of Protection cycle. We Sad. have Rune Scarred Demon. Oh, I, Mother can, of... I can just rattle a bunch off right now. Mother of Runes? What's up yeah. with that? Mother of Runes, Giver of Runes. Rune Snag can counter a rune, which is just very rude. Ooh, my new goal is to put all the runes on Wall of Runes. Oh, yeah. You should. Achievement unlocked. As we mentioned at the end of our show last week, we now have more types of snow cards, not just permanents. So now we now have Snow Instance or Sninstance and Snow Sorceries or Snorceries. So, Christian, when are we getting our first snow-covered planeswalker? I'm not answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> Unreasonable. Modern Horizons 2, perhaps? Modern Horizons 4, when we no. go back to snowy snow? We, when, we get our, when we get return to um, Ice Age, we'll get our first snow-covered okay. planeswalker. We're going to get a snow-covered planeswalker. It's going to be a Zodiac Rooster with a snow super type. <laughs> Well, we've talked types and we've talked tokens, so that means we need to talk about counters. A couple new kinds of counters in the set. So, Kasima, God of the Voyage, two and a blue for a two-four legendary creature god. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile Kasima. If you do, it gains whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control. If Kasima is exiled, you may put a voyage counter on it. If you don't, return it to the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters and draw X cards where X is the number of voyage counters on it. My god, there's a lot of text on the front side of this card. Our friend David Lefford smith I saw on Twitter say something like, this set has 2,000 more words and text boxes than any other set in the history of Magic. And you can tell. Kasima also has a backside that's a vehicle that does a bunch of stuff, but that's not important because that doesn't need voyage counters. But voyage counters, new kind of counter. I wonder how many things are going to go on voyages now. Are we going to have a re-themed Greek set where we actually have Odysseus go on a voyage? Ooh, I believe it's pronounced voyage, actually. No, that's for voyage the French. That, that's only going to be for the French theme set. 
which is oh, just okay. the war. It's just Napoleonic era wars. Well, if it's a Gallic set, we'll probably get roosters. So I'm, I'm in for the snow covered planeswalker. <laughs> uh, ah! The uh, other one is uh, Kaya the Inexorable, the planeswalker. Three white black for a five loyalty legendary planeswalker Kaya. And if you haven't gotten to play this card, it's out of control. The plus one is all that's really relevant here. You put a ghost form counter on up to one target non-token creature, and it gains, when this creature dies or is put into exile, return it to its owner's hand and create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. This one's kind of weird because the ghost form counter doesn't do anything. You just put it on the creature as a reminder that the creature has this ability. So if you have that counter removed for some reason, the creature still has the ability. Yeah, it's also weird because if you proliferate it, it doesn't get the ability again. Right. It just it's a reminder. It's kind of weird. Maybe they're going to do something ghost form counter at some point. I think this was just a inelegant solution as a reminder of what that ability does. So there's new ones. There's also notable returning ones, right? So we got the first up is our ice counters. They're coming back. There's been six previous cards that have ice counters. The new card that has ice counters in Kaldheim is Draugr Necromancer. Three and a black for a snow creature zombie cleric. If a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, exile that card with an ice counter on it instead, and you may cast spells from among cards and exile your opponent's own with ice counters on them, and you may spin mana from snow sources as though or mana of any color to cast those spells. That was a wordful. Basically, you get to cast your opponent's creatures if they die, and you can use any sort of snow mana to do so. Yeah, pretty cool. This is the first card that puts ice counters on things in exile, bunch of other cards, I mean, most famously Dark Depths and Thing in the Ice uh, have ice counters in play. we got to mention Finn the Fangbearer, man. Yeah. Finn the Fangbearer, man. One of the green for a 1-3 legendary human warrior with Death Touch. And it says whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. And then it notes that a player with ten or more poison counters loses the game. So Death Touch tribal in standard, Christian? Are we doing it or what? People are going to try it. Maybe before, after Empercleave rotates, but people are going to try it. What's really crazy about Finn, this is right up our alley for this podcast, this is the first creature that explicitly grants poison counters based on damage dealt since, and I kid you not, Visions. Squaada Assassin was the last creature that gave poison counters if it was not blocked. There's been, a f- obviously, infect creatures, but that just inherently, they deal damage as if it was minus one, minus one, kind of poison, so that was that's a whole separate ability. There's Venomous Sliver in Future Sight that had Poisonous One, which is the same, but different. And then there's cards that gave poison counters in New Phyrexia, but those are just cards themselves that weren't creatures. It was a one-shot effect. Yeah, the interesting thing about this ability, and I remember playing Marsh Viper and Pit Scorpion many years ago, trying to make that work, is that unlike Infect, the creature's don't deal damage as poison counters, but they still deal their regular damage. So you can try to rack up the poison counters, but you could also just try to kill them with damage. And it doesn't matter if you giant growth one of these creatures when it gets through, they don't get more poison counters. But if you give them double strike, then there you go. Which didn't exist in 1996. It did not. It did not. We're progressing. The last thing that's worth noting is it looks like ability counters are here to stay. We have flying counters on Ascendant Spirit and Ascent of the Worthy. And then an indestructible counter from Tyrite Sanctum. So how do you feel about ability counters? I like them. I mean, it's the one good thing from Ikoria I like. <laughs> so Okay. I mean, it's not... I still don't know how they work in paper yet, but we'll find that out at some point. Yeah, I think there are going to be a lot of torn off corners of um, 
score pads if we ever get to play paper magic again. And imagine if you shuffle too vigorously and like the air pressure pushes them off a creature and you forget. Like Seems very likely. Not super ideal. Yeah, if they're going to be in every set, they're not going to do punch cards unless it's a primary feature of the set. So we're just going to have to, to do our own. So everybody pack some in your little dice bag or whatever you need and, and bring them along. Plastic bags are great. You love a big, dirty plastic bag full of dice. It's not at all disturbing, Christian. <laughs> so let's talk about the special frames for the set. What do, what do we think about the showcase frames? I Personally, I love these yet again. I appreciate that they went with a bunch of different art styles in the showcase cards as well. My only complaint is that the cool Nordic frames in black kind of wash out a little bit because they don't really have a strong contrast color in them. But I yeah. think they look phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I love them too. I hope that showcase frames are styled like this in the future. They really remind me of the Throne of Eldraine book cards. A lot of the adventures had them that look really pretty. They're my second favorite so far. The they're very, the Ikoria comic book art is just below it. But I, they they've done well so far. If they had done these for the invocations and expeditions instead of what they actually did for the invocations and expeditions, I don't think we would have had a two year gap where we mm. didn't see this type of stuff. We also have another one in the set. We have the snow frame. How do you feel about the snow frame? I get what they're going for, but it's really hard to tell, and it's kind of washed out, and I'm not a fan. I like that concept, and I like that when I've been playing on Arena, for example, I can glance at my cards and see how many snow cards I have in my deck. My only problem with the snow cards is that the dark elements in the snow duels kind of make it look at first glance like they all have black as one of their colors. So you look at the green-white one, for example, and it looks like it's green-black. The basics are also hard to tell apart. And it's hard mm-hmm. to tell apart when you have them all stacked together. Like, you obviously, you group them. But for me, I've had trouble picking out a snow-covered plains versus a snow-covered mountain. Because they take the card, and then they, they take the brightness filter, and they just put it up a bit so it's it's washed out more. And it they're all kind of samey. I'm not a big fan. So, altogether, I'm glad they're still doing these. I'll be interested to see how they keep doing it going forward. All right, time for our secret reach card of the sets. Recent sets have featured creatures that for some reason nobody notices have reach, and they just keep running their flyers right into. So recent examples include Nissa Zendikon making a land that inexplicably had reach, Brimstone Trebuchet and Wildmore Preserver and Throne of Eldraine, so on and so forth. For me in this set, it's not Vold Recluse. Even though it's a spider, nobody expects your three mana 4-2 to have reach because you're never blocking with that. But it's a spider, and spiders traditionally have reach, so I'm not totally shocked. I've, I've caught that. The one that I've been shocked every single time is a card we've talked about on the podcast is Jaspera Sentinel. Why does it have reach? I don't get it. It just always shocks me when I come across this card in draft. Well, fortunately, if you attack your flyer into it, it they might be able to chump, but it's probably not going to kill your flying <laughs> creature with that one power it's got. Fair enough. All right. Best tongue twister in the set, inspired by our favorite magic tongue twister, the combination of click slither, quick sliver. We're a little underwhelming in the set for tongue twisters. Christian, do you have any candidates? Honestly, Skimfar Shadow Sage. Skimfar mm-hmm. Shadow Sage. Yeah, no. That gets me. Code Spell Cleric, Code Spell Cleric, Code Spell Cleric. No, I'm good on that one. Yeah, it's Skimfar Shadow I can't even say it normally. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Skimfar Shadow Sage. Code Spell Cleric, I think, is second. I often accidentally say Cold Spell. Some honorable mentions for Blizzard Brawl and Runeforge Champion. Runeforge Champion, that the the J and the Ch kind of get confused. But yeah, Skemfar Shadow Sage is our tongue twister of the set. Skemfar Shadow Sage, Skemfar Shadow Sage, Skemfar Shadow Sage, Skemfar... No, I just... I, no. 
It's good for a shadow. Got a mouthful of oatmeal. Because you go from the sha to a hard o, right? Shadow, like skim far shadow sage. Like it's too hard constantly. It just doesn't. So we've wrapped these up in the past with a suggestion from one of our listeners, Camilla, who said that it might be fun to hear something like a common and uncommon and a rare that we think are well designed or exemplify the set or excite us in one way or another. So we appreciated that suggestion and we've been doing it. Let's let's do it again here. Christian, what common meets that bar for you? Yeah, so this one is just cutest. Heck, is it heckin' cute? I don't know what the kids say these days. But it's it's Fearless Pup. Um, Fearless Pup is one red for a 1-1 one, one wolf. It has first strike, and it can boast for two and a red. Fearless Pup gets plus two, plus zero until in a turn. But it's a cute little puppy, and it goes, ooh, that's the player, that's the, that's the player text. Ooh, it's just cute as hell. I, I love it. I love that it has boast. Because it's fearless, right? It's this tiny little pup that's charging into battle. And occasionally, I guess, it just rips someone's face off because it's a 3-1 first strike when you, you activate it. But, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Pretty sweet. Mine is Augury Raven. Uh, that's three and a blue for a 3-3 bird with flying and has Fortel for one and a blue. So, Sarl's Packmate is a better card. But the thing I like about Augury Raven is it's a riff on Phantom Monster, which is a card from Alpha that's three and a blue for a 3-3 flyer. And the ability to foretell this and then cast it on turn three and get it to turn early just speaks to me. It's a card that a lot of people know. It's easy to understand. And it really sells what foretell can do for you. Augury Raven reminds me a lot of Errant Ephemeron from Time Spiral in that it's a cheap flyer that it's better to play it on the cheap than try to pay the full mana for it. But yeah, I'm a huge fan. Right, so, uncommons, I'll go first this time. I really like Spirit of the Alder Guard. This is three and a green for a zero four snow creature bear spirit. First of all, there's a big white bear on the card. I think it's a spirit of a grizzly bear, but I'm going to say it's a polar bear because we have, as listeners of this podcast know, a dearth of polar bears in magic and we need more. Yes. When spirit of the alder guard enters the battlefield, you search your library for a snow land card, reveal it, put it in your hand and shuffle your library and spirit of the alder guard gets plus one plus oh for each other snow permanent you control. The reason I like it is because it's a reason to be in a snow deck. It gets significant power. You know, you can play this and have it be a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four pretty easily, but it gets you that land to increase its power. It's both a reward for being in snow and an enabler for being in snow. Yeah, exactly. And it's a bear. It's yeah. a cool bear spirit. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Um, my Uncommon, which we've talked about a couple of times, but we're just going to sing this card's praises up and down. It's Savala Ice Shaper. So we've talked a little bit about Icy Mantle. Let's, let's talk fully about Savala. Savala Ice Shapers, one red and a green for a 2-4 legendary snow troll warrior. Snowy troll warrior. It has three tap. Create a colorless snow artifact token named Icy Manolith with tap. Add one mana of any color. So it makes your own mana rocks. Already a good start. And then second ability is six red and a green tap. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may cast a spell from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. But just it just makes free spells. It's a cool troll warrior, and it helps you ramp. It does everything you want. It's amazing, and it's super cheap. Yep. It's another card that 3-mana 2-4 is a great blocker, pretty reasonable attacker. And you want to get to that big ability, so it gives you the means to do that. It's enabling its own reward. I've heard this called Snowlos a couple times. Really yep. into that. And honestly, I never attack with it. I'm just more interested in ramping as fast as possible so i can start casting spells for free and it does everything i want it to when i see this in a draft i'm shocked that it's still there all right christian what's your rare my rare 
is Blessing of Frost. So Blessing of Frost is three and a green for a snorcery. What? Distribute X plus one plus one counters among any number of creatures you control, where X is the amount of snow mana spent to cast the spell. Then draw a card for each creature you control power four or greater. I really like the design on this because it's a really cool pump spell that has a lot of utility, and it also has a lot of cool little level up moments. You don't have to put a plus one plus one counter on a creature for you to draw cards. You just need to have creatures with power four or greater. So Blessing of Frost helps you get there. It has a ceiling in that it can only put four plus one plus one counters on creatures. Like that's as much as you're going to get out of it. But you can still draw a lot of cards on it. It's just really flexible. It's a really smart, thinky green card that would have probably been printed in blue if this was 15 years ago. I just can't say enough of it. It hits all the right notes for me and all the right design notes that I'm looking for. Well, my rare is one of the modal double-faced cards. Turgrid, God of Fright. Three black-black for a 4-5 legendary creature god with menace. Pretty good start. Whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent card, you may put that card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So that certainly speaks to me. But the backside is Turgrid's Lantern. Three and a black for a legendary artifact. Tap, target player loses three life unless they sacrifice a non-land permanent or discard a card. So a one-shot Torment of Hailfire, another card I love. But it also has three and a black. You can untap Turgrid's Lantern. So if you get enough mana, you can just kind of keep doing that and... Attrition them out of the game. The thing I like about this, and it's this way with a number of the modal dual-faced god cards, is that they're designed in a way where if you wanted to play them in Constructed, you can play the front side and play the back side, and they work well together. And I think that's phenomenal design. What a blast. I like this card, but I fully admit that this will be a bit miserable in the one format it's played a lot in, which is Commander. And there's a problem with it being miserable in Commander, is what you're saying? I think it's miserable as a Commander. The decks that want this effect and to abuse it... I mean, okay, I'll fully admit, listeners, I have a Croxa deck. And that just focuses on wheels and discards. It's fun for me. It's not fun for the rest of the table. Interpret is that except on steroids. And I have a feeling we're going to have some, like, table flips once people return to playing paper magic are you saying then you're not putting turgrid in your crocs today oh 100 i'm not an idiot <laughs> of course you are yeah. I'm, not, I'm not dumb i'm okay. just saying like this is kind of like braids except it requires more setup but at the sure. same time the fact that it's repeatable means that if your opponents kill it you can still cast turgrid you can even cast the backside of it right that's kind of scary I don't know if this will lead to positive commander interactions, but that is just my hot take. Be the change you want to see, Christian. <laughs> just just play it as commander and get banned? I can do that. No! No, <laughs> don't play it at all if you don't like it. <laughs> so that's a lot of information about Kaldheim, probably too much. We want to know what cards you are interested in talking about, what really stokes your flame, what, what melts your ice. Tweet at us. At Memory Jar MTG. We definitely want to hear about it. Now, before we go, Saw It Coming. Really? Saw It Coming is the name of the counterspell? Are we just coming up with new f*** you names for counterspells forever in every set? Like, I swear next set, we're going to see a card that's just called f*** you. It's one UU for a counterspell with whatever the set's mechanic is. This is insane. 
I'm said I'm just t-balling this because you did this, but you did you put a list of the <laughs> most insulting counterspell names? Yeah, yeah, a top ten list of the most insulting counterspell names. I went through every counterspell in Magic, and here's my list of the top or bottom ten counterspell names. Before we get to that, I'm going to put a little honorable mention: the Tempest counterspell flavor text, which is just Airtie being a giant penis. I'm not going to blank that out because that's an anatomical feature of the human body. Eretai's quote, he says, it was probably a lousy spell in the first place. First off, that's just you being bitter. Second off, if you're doing that to someone, that's just mean behavior that we're not tolerating on this podcast. Get out of here, Eretai. Out. So there's a lot of good insulting flavor texts, but nothing just gets me like the names where you announce the name of the spell. So number 10 is miscalculation. You're just saying, you know what, you could have played that a different time. You miscalculated it. That's a little bit rude. Yeah, but to be fair, I have said this in person, but mainly from mana leaks. I've been like, oh, it looks like you didn't count the mana right, and I should have been punched in the face. So, Number nine is condescend. Why just condescend to someone? You can When you can name your card, condescend. You're just telling them what you're doing. The worst part is, is that it looks like another spell until they keep tapping their mana, and then you go, oh, it's condescend. It's a double layer of effect. It, it's awful. Number eight is outwit. Just rubbing it in the face that you had the counter spell, and you're outwitting them. This is why everyone hates blue mages. Number seven is rebuff the wicked, a white counter spell. But do you really have to call your opponent wicked while you're countering the spell? I think this is badass. I disagree with this placement on this list. I think this is well, a cool card. It's my list, so. and you're wrong. Number six is last word. Just you're getting the last word, and again, you're doing it. You don't need to also say you're doing it. Number five is dismal failure. Dismal failure? You could just counter the spell, man. You don't have to, like, rub it in their face like that. Number four is even worse. Punish ignorance. It's not even like you failed. It's like you were ignorant to even try, and I am punishing you for that. Go sit on the stairs. Take a time out. So I will say these were all probably designed in 2005, 2006, and this was not really the zenith of people interacting with other people well. So I can get why they decided on these card names. Number three is Flaxify. You're just making them go limp. I mean, really? That's what we've decided? Number two, unsurprisingly, Saw It Coming. I think I've already voiced what I need to say about that. Because you know everybody who plays this is just going to be like, yeah, Saw It Coming. And number one, Didn't Say Please. I hate this Really? I hate, I hate it. I hate I this hate one it. so much. I like, if there's, you know how like people talk about cards, they wish they would not exist at all in Magic. They always talk about Uro, Omnath, Locus Creation. No, I'm going to say didn't say please. Because I swear to God, I didn't play as much Eldraine Limited as I should have because I couldn't bear the thought of my opponent <laughs> casting this spell on Arena. Because I couldn't interact with the person. All I could do was spam a stupid emote for this dumb card. I hate it so much. I hate it, hate it, hate it. The biggest crime here is that this could absolutely be a silver-boarded counterspell that was like one of a U counter-target spell unless your opponent said please, and they just blew it. So who knows what's going to come next. It's either going to be f*** you, or it's going to be something that's somehow even more obnoxious like had it the whole time. You know, some, some like horrible thing Magic players say. Anyway, thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter at our handle, at MemoryJarMTG. We would love your feedback, and please... Tell us what cards you want to remember. Again, special thanks to Christopher Yates for the logo. We greatly appreciate it. You can find Chris on Twitter at, at CMY Company. That's company with a K. 
Until next time, uh, may you draft all the snow lands, and may you get to activate your path to the world tree.